Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. I don't know how I'm supposed to preach after that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a true statement that the Kugelmans have touched almost every family here. And if they haven't touched you, it's probably just because you're newer. They're pretty beautiful people. I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to give you my entire message, but, um, but I am going to kind of just start off and I think that we might finish later, but we'll see how it goes. Okay. The, um, the beginning of my message actually started on Tuesday. Uh, I happened across a random verse, actually it was three random verses in second Kings. And, um, and I found myself just like, we, we've talked before when we talk about reading the Bible, like, there's verses that kind of just pop out at you, and that's an invitation from the Holy Spirit to dwell on it, to just take time over it. And so, um, out of Second Kings, there are these three verses. It happens right after Elijah actually was taken up into heaven, and Elisha received his mantle. He has now crossed the river, and he is back um, in a new community. And it just says, it says this, uh, the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. And he said, Bring me a new jar, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him, and he went out to the spring of water, and threw salt in it, and said, Thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from there death or unfruitfulness any longer. And I was like obviously reading through it kind of going okay this is the the it's the second really but it's the first miracle that Elisha does that's recorded I believe um that he does on his own um he had parted the seas with Elijah's mantle but it was his own authority that operated in this moment and I I was like Lord why is this important and um and I'm I think that there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of the things, he actually pulled me back into the New Testament, and he, uh, he shared a scripture with me, and he said, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and I was like, okay, what, what is, what is that, and he said the water in that community was bitter, it was bitter water, what was coming out was bitter, and it was actually killing everything in its path, because the water was death. And, and I was like, okay, and he, he, he begins to show me how, like, when we speak, what we speak is important, but what we spree- speak brings life or it brings death, because it's out of the abundance of our heart that the mouth speaks. And... And as I was processing, I'm like, okay, but what's the deal with like the new jar and the salt? And, and then it was this picture of, of him going, I had, there was bitter waters that were coming out. And think about this as a believer. When we get saved, we get born again, we become a new creation, right? We become a new vessel to be used of God. 
And salt is something that is, the Bible talks about the fact that our salt needs to be pure, right? It needs to be fresh and clean. Like it's, um, what do we use salt for? We use salt for preservation. We preserve good things, food with it, right? It also heals. When my dad was young and a farmer back in like the 60s, probably before that even, he said that they used to actually cure cow's pink eye with salt. I can't imagine that that felt very good. But they used to pour salt in cow's eyes to cure their pink eye because it has healing properties. It actually can bring healing. It tastes good when we eat it, as long as it's not too much, right? (laughs) But there's so many beautiful things that salt does. But what's interesting about that scripture was that it took bitter waters, and then the Bible says it turned them sweet. And I felt like he was beginning to show me this picture of of us as Christians. When we, when we are unsaved, we, we walk in bitterness. And we have, like, bitterness is coming from the insides of us. But he wants us to become sweet waters that bring healing. And at the very end of it, it says, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from their death or unfruitfulness any longer. And we're supposed to be purified vessels. My message today is really on the, one of the hindrances of, of revival lifestyle, and it's, and it's on the idea of offense. And offense brings bitterness, because offense is unforgiveness. And our culture, the American culture that we have, is so incredibly offendable. Everything. We're offended that people are offended. Like, I mean, how many times have you guys gotten frustrated with your spouse? Maybe don't raise your hand to this. You've gotten frustrated with your spouse, and you're like, you are being so annoying, you know, and, and you're like, I am really frustrated. I'm hurt by you. I'm offended. And, and he's like, I didn't do anything. You shouldn't be offended by this. And now I'm offended that he's offended because I can see that I offended him, but I'm offended that he's offended. And it goes back and forth, and it just builds, right? Like, and we get on social media, and everybody's offended. You know, the Israel starts having problems, and now everybody's offended with everybody because we all have opinions, right? And... Can I just say that it's not supposed to be like that in the church? You know, the reason why people are fleeing the churches right now is because of offense. Because we don't guard our heart. Because what's coming, we didn't move from the waters of bitterness. Because when we got saved, somehow nobody told us that we actually have something different that we're called to. And so we just live, and the, the, the offense and the bitterness has swept into our churches, and we don't talk about it. So a lot of churches even intentionally go after it. They're, they're offended by everything else, you know? Churches are fighting against churches. Denominations are angry at denominations. You know, if you don't believe just like I do, then we can't talk. There's, there's a fence that runs through everything, and it's, it's really, to say it like this, it's sinful. It's sinful. It's the bitterness of bitter waters that comes from an unsaved church, an unsaved world. And it's seeped so far into the church that we can't differentiate ourselves from from the world. And that's a really big problem. What What does it say? What does Jesus say? How people will know us. 
He will know us by our love, right? So let's actually read that scripture. That is John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, I, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How will they know that we are followers of Jesus? By our love for who? For our brothers and sisters. The way we treat each other here in this family called church should be so radically different than the world that they see a stark contrast. We should be an oasis in a desert. We should be something that people want. Because they have begun to see something different. But here's the problem. I think that this is what, yeah, this is, this is what we end up being. And out of 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, this isn't just for marriages. By the way, the scripture is actually for all of us to live daily. Okay? Not just on a wedding. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become just a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. We've been talking about a revival lifestyle and we're talking about the Great Commission and how we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to preach Jesus and pray for people to get healed and watch them recover and shift the culture. But if we don't do it while we're loving, if we've turned off love because of offense, then we, it actually profits us nothing. And I'll be even more clear to say it like this. The world doesn't, they're not interested in a loveless church. They don't want religion. They don't want to be stuffed into a little box that says you have to perform. That's not what this is about. We have to move out back into a place of love. And we can't do that when we live in a fence. I was talking to Eden about this. And Eden said, she goes, you mean a fence? And I was like, that's what I'm saying. She goes, no, a fence. You know, a fence. <laughs> and, and it's... I think that that's the truth. The truth is that a fence builds a fence around us and we begin to box ourselves in and separate ourselves from the people that we're supposed to love really, really well. Right? And so we, we box ourselves in because, well, well, they made me mad the other day. They, they said something. They were, they're Christian and they were immature. I saw them sin the other day so I can't talk to them anymore. And we begin to build these things around us, these fences, and we're boxing ourselves in and away from the people that we're supposed to model kingdom with. We're called to stay connected. We're called to look different than the world. All right? And let's, let me break down just a few things that happens just in case you're not entirely sure what I'm talking about when I talk about a fence. I think most of us know, but... Here we go. Indicators of offense in your own heart. The first one is 
on this side. It's hurt and anger. We have something happens and there's hurt and anger that comes into our hearts. And then we move to stage two often. This is what we do. And we begin to dwell on that. Right? And so stop there for just a second and think about it. You begin to just let it percolate. That shouldn't have happened like that. I can't believe that person said that to me. I can't believe that we were in church and she actually said that. You know, or like, and, and they begin to, they just don't like it. We just get offended by, we get offended by everything. Right? I swear she saw me looking at me. Like I was looking at her, going to go over and say hi. And she immediately turned and started talking to somebody else. She must not want to talk to me. Now I'm offended right? And I begin to just dwell on it. And then I can think through, you know, all the different things that I can tell how somebody is responding, right? And I'm like, I'm now even building, I'm building a case for myself so that I can nurture my offense. I'm nurturing it. And then I move on to stage three, which is a need for validation. Hey, I have a scenario I want to share with you because I'd like to have your perspective. But the moment we get their perspective, we're offended if they challenge us at all right? You should just be here to validate me. I called you in to be my friend to validate my feelings of offense because I wanted you to nurture them too, right? And then we move on and our view begins to change the person. I would add, we actually begin to title them. We change their name. We change who they are to us. They go from friend to something else. I have a few different terms for you. Don't hate me because I say them. They become a hypocrite. They become judgmental. (laughs) They become a narc or a slut or selfish or a liar, right? We have all of these labels that we begin. We dehumanize them because we're offended. And when we dehumanize them, they're no longer my brother or sister in Christ. They're now just a title a negative thing that I can now hate and despise. Yeah, Christians do that. Right? This is what's pervading in our culture. It's everywhere. We are deeply, deeply offended. Or I should say offendable. And something has to break because if we live like this and continue to live like this, the world isn't going to be one. Because we can't have a revival lifestyle where we're proclaiming that Jesus loves you, but we can't even love the person beside us. And then we invite people from the world into our church where we're biting and devouring each other. Why would they want to be here? Right? Why would they want to come? We are scared. So many people have anxiety about being in a place like a church because they're afraid of being judged. Because The church isn't known for being a loving place anymore, right? I want to challenge Harvest that we should be something different, entirely different. We need to become a city on a hill that's actually a light in the darkness, a thing that people are attracted to and they long to be a part of it because they're like, hey, those people, they're all completely different because we're not calling people to conformity. We're calling them to become completely unique in the likeness of Christ that he's created them to be. And so you have people who are completely different and they're all coming together and they actually celebrate each other's differences and they like each other even though they're completely different than the other person. How is this possible? I want to be a part of it. 
They should know us by the way that we love. Right? Not by what we believe and not by what we're constantly shouting on Facebook or whatever social media platform you choose. We have to change the way that we live and we have to become unoffendable people. Here's the thing. Oh, how many of you guys have heard of a lady named Patricia King? I like her. She said this the other day. She posted this, and I was like, that's funny. I'm actually preparing this message, and she pops this on there. She said, I believe that offense is one of those sins that is tolerated by many even when there's a strong awareness of it. It's tolerated in our churches. Sometimes it's celebrated depending on the church you go to. Right? There have been church splits over the carpet color. Because somebody got offended. Right? That shouldn't be even named among us. Right? Who cares what color the carpet is? We're here to worship Jesus. Right? Like, we, we have to deal with this. We have to look at ourselves. And I, I forgot to tell you in the beginning, this isn't a message for the person next to you. Don't elbow them. Okay, <laughs> this is a message for you because I think that all of us deal with this because it's so infected our culture that it's literally everywhere. You know, we have to work to become unoffendable individually from our spouse, from our children. Like we can get offended with our own families. You know, like the, the, it just goes, it's everywhere, right? And so take time. And if you hear names pop in your head, that's not you being crazy. That's actually probably Holy Spirit saying, hey, yeah, you're offended with this person. Write them down. Seriously, I'm, I'm serious because we're going to pray at the very end of this, okay? And we're going to break off some of this offense. All right? So, so listen to the Lord when he's talking to you. I want to just hit quickly. Yeah, you guys are going to get my message. Sorry. I'm kind of sorry. I'm kind of not. <laughs> I'm offended. That's okay. You can forgive me in a minute. Okay. I have a couple questions before I jump into some scriptures. Okay. Doesn't everybody get offended? Yes. Everybody has the opportunity to be offended. What we choose to do with that offense or that opportunity is up to you. Whether we choose to stay in offense or walk away from it is up to us. So does everybody get the opportunity to be offended? Absolutely. Does everybody have to stay offended? No, it's a choice. 100% of the time, it's a choice. Can't we be offended and yet still have already forgiven them? No. Because offense means that you're still holding on to something. If I'm still offended, then I'm still holding on to this peace that hasn't been forgiven. I'm still holding on to it. I still feel like somebody owes something to me. This amazing person said this the other night. Actually, it was Wednesday night. This guy's name is Charles Shannon. Have any of you guys ever heard of him? Yay, Charles! Buster. Woo, woo, we love him! All right, right here, guys. He's right here. He's amazing. But one of the things he had said, he, he, I told him I was, I was going to share something today. I'm like, I'm not telling you what it is. I did tell him though. He said, I know that I have forgiven when I can fully say that person doesn't owe me anything anymore. And I would say, I would add to that and say that even means an apology. Yeah. 
heart doesn't need to have an apology because we have so released that offense that it's not mine anymore. I'm not holding on to the few of the strings. I've released it completely to the Lord and allowed the Lord to deal with it. Right? It wasn't mine to hold on to. It's mine to fully release. And I think that that's really important for us to have as a perspective because we, to walk in this way, we can't love radically if we're holding on to strings of offense. Okay? We can't love wholly and truly fully love people who are completely different than us, who've had different lives, who've had different experiences, who have different everything, maybe even slightly different Christian beliefs, if I'm holding on to all these strings of offense because I've built a wall, I've built a fence around my heart, right? And I'm holding myself behind all of these things and I'm bunkering in. Okay. Here are a couple of scriptures. These are the contrast scriptures. This is what it says that we're supposed to live like and what we're supposed to look like. And I had to like pick and choose them because there are so many in the New Testament. From, from the beginning of Acts, you begin to see how people live together, like how they love each other, how they, how they shared things in common. Like there's so many scriptures, but I would point this out. Every time there's a, there's a book in the New Testament, or at least I think every time, that, that is written to a community. So like, Ephesians or Colossians is written to an entire community. It's written to the Christians that are there. And every single book has ways that you're supposed to treat each other. Why? Well, because they had the same problems we have today. They got offended by everything, okay? And they were not treating people like they were supposed to. And then the books that were written to like Timothy or Titus that were instructional books to leaders, he also was instructed on how to treat people. How do you encourage people to live together? in unity. So every single book has this, like, hey, people, you need to understand that you have to live in a different way. Your lifestyle as a Christian needs to look vastly different, right? We have to renew our mind, and we shouldn't conform to the world. It's not just an action. It's actually in the heart posture. Even our heart posture cannot be conformed to the world. The world is a fence, That's everything that they do and live and breathe. They're canceling everything they can cancel, right? Because they're offended by everything. You know, if our church models that, we're deeply in sin. If as a human, I'm modeling what the world does, I'm deeply in sin and I have to repent. I have to break, I have to have a renewed mind that is completely and 100% different than the culture, right? We cannot live offended lives. All right, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation because it's written in a way that's, that's just really understandable. It's beautiful. You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourselves with the virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the true mark or the mark of true maturity. 
We can read that and we can hear the instruction, but I want you to hear the reason why the instruction's even happening. Why would you have to tell somebody to show kindness or to be compassionate or to understand each other? Why would you have to tell somebody that? Is that maybe because they're all humans and they're having a hard time learning how to get along? Yeah, because they're just like us, right? A whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of different walks of life coming in to worship one king and one savior, but with a whole lot of different ideas. And that's okay. They didn't say conform everybody to the exact same model. They should all dress the same, look the same, walk the same, talk the same. Instead, they said, be merciful. Learn how to show up in mercy. Learn how to understand others. Be compassionate. Showing kindness. Be gentle and humble. Be unoffendable because you're going to be offended. You're going to have an opportunity to be offended in the body of Christ. So learn how to become unoffendable. Right? Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith. Now, it doesn't mean to ignore their sin, but it does mean to come alongside them and to walk with them. We have so many other scriptures that talk to that on how we should come alongside them with gentleness and love and encouragement. And we come and we pull them up out of it, right? Because when we get saved, we don't always become perfect overnight. I'd like to, but I'm still working mine out. We have to forgive one another in the same way that we have been graciously forgiven. And if or when we find fault with someone, because who has faults here? I know I have faults. Is anybody perfect? I'd like to know you. Justin, you. I can't get to know you more because now you have to go to Japan for four years. Take your perfectness there. All right? Make them perfect as well. You know, but... We're going to find fault with people, right? So what do we do? Release the same gift of forgiveness that you've been given, right? What would happen if we started to treat, actually do this? What would happen if people could walk into the church, not with anxiety, but with joy and peace, and they could come in and they could confess their sins, oh my gosh, they have them, one to another, and be healed because the church isn't biting and devouring each other. What would that look like? What if we became unoffendable? What if we didn't come to church offended with our spouse because we lived an unoffendable life? Right? What would that look like? Let's look at one more verse. Actually, I have two more verses, and then I'll stop talking to you. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. It says, let all bitterness... Oh, hold on. I'm reading this out of the Weymouth New Testament, and I read it because the other version, my NASB, has strange words like clamor. That's like the only time we've ever heard that word is like, there was a, like, what was it in this, the Christmas? The night before? Yeah, there rose such a clamor, I sprang from it. Like, that's the only time we've ever heard that word, clamor, in our entire life. It means a really loud noise, I guess, right? We don't know. Nobody knows what that means. So I read, I, I picked another version because we can understand this one. Let all bitterness and all passionate feelings, which means, this is the knee-jerk explosive reaction. That's what that word is. The, 
That's the clamor word also. All passionate feeling. It's an explosive knee-jerk reaction that comes and goes really quick, but it's just the reaction that we have that we don't even think about. We just have. Let those things, bitterness, that explosive feelings, those passion reactions, all anger and loud insulting language be unknown among you. Also, every kind of malice. The word malice means ill will or a desire to injure someone. Christians can have that. Uh, We shouldn't. It shouldn't even be known among us. We should never respond in explosive anger to anybody around us. We should never have bitterness living deep inside of us or anger or loud insulting language. On the contrary, this is how we are to act. Learn to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Learn to be. This doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of unlearning the world and the way that we've been trained, right? And it's learning the new ways of God. We learn to be kind. We learn to be patient and, and what is it, forgiving one another, tenderhearted, right? Did you guys hear in Colossians, it says we forgive just as Jesus forgives us. And then in Ephesians, it says we forgive because Jesus forgave us. And then in Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus says, whenever you stand praying, forgive If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. What does it mean if God doesn't forgive us? If we don't have forgiveness, what does that mean? It's It's a pretty scary perspective. I don't want to know what that means when I die. I don't want to find out the hard way. Here's the thing, guys. I'm going to end with this. We're actually not going to end quite yet, but I'm going to do this. I want you guys to understand that, that offense is normal in our culture. I'm not condemning anybody for having offense. We all have an opportunity almost daily to process offense. It is so incredibly everywhere right? We are, we are raised broken. We live life broken. People offend us. We, we get offended driving down the road because somebody cuts us off, and, right? Like, like, it's just, it's everywhere. I'm not condemning anybody because this is a battle that we fight on a daily basis. This is part of the, the learning how to die daily because everything in us really, really wants to walk through all of those stages and those, those indicators of offense. We want to, to allow, like we want to dwell on it because it makes us feel good to dwell on the anger because we feel validated and we want to go and gossip. That's what it's called when we invite people into the story. We're gossiping. We want to gossip with others and to pull a whole party around us because it's a feel-good party of nurturing my offense. It's our natural human sinful way of life, Right? But we have to begin to stop it at the very first part. The moment that we have hurt or anger hit us, we need to immediately learn how to live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said it in here in uh, Mark where he's kind of, it's like the shortened, like the tiny version of the Lord's Prayer. 
And in so many different places, Matthew 18 has like an entire story built on forgiveness. The whole point of it is this. When you pray, forgive. Every time you pray, make it part of your life. Jesus, is there anybody I need to forgive? Has offense hit my heart today? Is there somebody I need to forgive today? Because yesterday I know happened and I forgave some people there. And now I've had a whole 24 hours to get offended again. Right? And if we start seeing patterns, then we go, okay, what's wrong with me? What's the area that's broken in me that needs to not be offendable? And you let God heal that, right? And we continue to live a lifestyle of forgiveness where offense happens, hurt and pain happen. They do. They happen to all of us. Sometimes it's horrible. And we have to walk through like weeks or months of forgiveness every single day for what's, what's transpired in one account right? But we do it. We plug in and we keep going, I'm going to become undefendable. I'm going to live a life, a life of forgiveness. I'm going to walk in a way that I can love freely because I've been called to love extravagantly so that the world would know us by our love, right? And I'm not going to build fences around my heart to protect me because you are my protector, okay? All right, here we go. Now, I have a little cheat sheet for a forgiveness prayer because most Christians, when they pray forgiveness, they say, Jesus, would you please forgive that person? Okay. Jesus says, you need to forgive. Okay. He's actually putting the onus on us of us releasing our heart. God's not doing it for us. It's our responsibility to release our offense because God's not offended. Okay. God can't sin. He's not offended with people. Okay? So we're not asking God to forgive them. We are forgiving them. And so when we pray, I am giving you guys a cheat sheet, but it's not meant to be just something you read and go through it just verbatim. It's time to take it before the Lord. So for those of you who want it, you can snap a picture of it and take it home with you so you have it for the future. But we are going to just take like three minutes. And I want you guys just to take a minute and just to pray, okay? Here it is. We're gonna, I'm going to just read it to you. I know it's a lot of words. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness and that you have chosen to cancel my debts. And I recognize I could have never repaid the debt that, you, that I have on my own. Would you forgive me for the times that I have been offended and have chosen to nurture my offense rather than release it. I break any lie that I might believe that says I have a right to withhold forgiveness or to hold on to offense. Jesus, because of your forgiveness toward me, I choose to forgive. And then here you put in the person, the people, or an entire organization. Sometimes it's a church. Sometimes it's all kinds of organizations that have hurt us for the hurt and the pain they have caused me, and I release my offense against them. I choose to forgive them for how they made me feel, for every painful word they said, for what they did, and the effects of their words and actions in my life. I release this person, this, these people, from anything I have felt that they owe me. I choose to no longer dwell on their sins against me, and I intentionally release this offense through the grace of Jesus. Take a minute and think about 
Just ask the Holy Spirit, is there somebody that you want me to forgive right now? And begin the process. Because once you break off and you begin to, to release one person, God's going to bring up another one, right? Unless you live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. But it's really important that we begin to release these fences and break the walls that we've built around our hearts, okay? Molly's going to pray. We're going to do this for just a couple minutes. Jesus, we don't want to let bitterness, the bitter waters of life, the, the places of offense, be deep within us, God. We want, to, we want to be a people who, when we speak, God, when we live, and yeah, God, that sweet healing rivers flow from our mouth and from our hearts, God. We want the abundance of our hearts to speak out beautiful, sweet words that bring healing in life. Yeah, Jesus, you talk about grieving your Holy Spirit by the way that we treat people. And God, we don't want to grieve your Holy Spirit. Would you forgive us for allowing offense, this cultural sin, to just invade our lives, God? And we've just ignored it. So many times we've nurtured it instead and we've made it a pet, God. Would you forgive us? Would you begin to teach us, to train us how to live in a way that we can be pure, sweet waters of life for people? That when we have the opportunity to be offended, God, we can flush it immediately upon the first hurt because we know that you have forgiven us of so much. 
And so we just freely give forgiveness to everybody around us, God, that hurts us. Jesus, that we would give out your forgiveness like it's candy that we didn't have to purchase. God, we want to be places and people who love so well that the world begins to look at us and say, oh, what's different about that church? They love so well. They must be like Jesus. They must be followers of Jesus. That they would come to those conclusions on their own because they know what Jesus looked like and they, can, and they long to be with him. Jesus, we want to be like you too. So God, we just, we give you our hearts and we break off places that are hardened and we, we break over all of our fences that we've built and we step back into love well. Yeah. And Jesus, I also just pray that they would also forgive me for making us go really late today. <laughs> yeah, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.